0: everybody. Good to see all of you. Uh, for those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online our vlog rationers, so to speak. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, if you've been here before or uh, even if this is your first time, welcome to Thrive Church. My name is David. I serve on the pastoral staff and our prayer for everybody is that you find something meaningful in your life with God, not just on a day-to-day basis, Um, but also Sundays and uh, whatever it is that you're doing and whoever you're interacting with, we believe that God is actually speaking to us and has something for us, especially today. I'm starting a brand new series (coughs) today on uh, wealth and money. And uh, I I realized a couple things. There's there's some reasons why I'm doing this. Um, But first and foremost... Is that uh, I recognize that it's been a long time since I've actually talked about personal finance. And then I was kind of going through some old notes. I'm not sure I've ever talked about it with Thrive, which is really interesting. Um, But I I felt like maybe we should correct that. And I think this is kind of a good time of year to do it because we're all (laughs) sort of thinking about it uh, because we're starting to get credit card bills from Christmas, right? You know, you're starting to see that and you're. You're kind of going, maybe I need to revisit my decision-making paradigm when it comes to gift-giving <laughs> and that sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, it depends on where you are in your, um, in your uh, you know, family finances and, and whatnot. Um, but I think this time of year, we're always, we're always beginning to think forward and what's going to happen in this new year. By the way, how are you doing with your theme? We talked about that last week, the theme for the year. I've talked to some of you. And you think you might have one of those themes that, you know, God's kind of highlighted that for you and you're either excited about it or terrified or maybe a little mix, mix of both. That's OK. That's part of the adventure that, that we're on with God. Um, so the New Year is a great time to do this. But I, I'm also going to say this because um, I think it's important. I think it's an opportune moment to talk about this now because it seems to me as I kind of watch some of the economic indicators that I think we're in for a major global economic, um, probably a collapse. I really believe that. Um, Part of my job uh, I think, is to protect the flock. And when I see potential threats to, to all of you, whether they're theological or real, um, I want to at least get them on your radar so that you have um, the foresight to check in with God about those things. And I think you need to be doing that. Uh, there are some, some things that are happening on an international level that really concern me economically. And uh, you need to be prepared for those things. And so I'm going to invite you to pray about those. And I'm going to address some of them as we go through this series dealing with personal finance. Um, I think what, I mean, I've, I've had that concern for quite some time. But what really concerned me was that the day all of this stuff was happening in Washington, the stock market reached a new high and it is completely untethered to any economic reality in this country. It is pure speculation that's going on. That worries me a lot, um, that we're not dealing with the actual reality. One of the first rules of leadership is that you deal with reality as it is, not, you know, just kind of the way you want it to be. And I'm seeing this all over the place, and it, it concerns me a great deal. So. There, I, I put that warning out there, but hang tight. Again, God's still on the throne. He's not surprised, even if we are. So we can check in with him, and, and I want to um, make sure that you're praying about it. Um, at the same time, though, I, I think as we talk about money and finance uh, a little bit more, I want to um, offer a, a caution, and this, this kind of came from an odd place. But I came across a YouTube video, and the title was, I, I, I can't make this stuff up, okay? This is the title. God wants you to be a millionaire. Um, what? So, you know that term, kind of horrified fascination like a train wreck? It's like one of those things where like, I can't not click this, because I really want to understand where this, and it's a, a, a guy, I think he's probably in his late 30s, early 40s, and he got out of the military, and he's got a business, and I think part of his business is selling, you know, online business stuff. I don't, I don't know what he actually does, but to his credit, he said, look, I'm not a scholar, I'm just a guy reading the Bible." And I thought to myself, and I'm like, I got to be real careful about these things. But I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, you might want to go read that again. <laughs> you might want to read that. And in, in case you don't know this, there's no place in the Bible that says that God wants you to be a millionaire. I'm just gonna say that up front. Um, you might be able to find it in like Hezekiah 7:9 or something like that. Which, for those of you who know, that's not a real book in the Bible or if it is, you can put it wherever you want it, and you can get it to say whatever you want. There's no place in the Bible where it says God wants you to be a millionaire. And um, I, I got about five minutes of it, and I'm like, I, I can't even watch this anymore. And, and I, I think that um, we have to be careful that we don't take things to the extreme, and that was clearly the case. We're extrapolating all kinds of ideas. Now, I don't doubt that this gentleman read his Bible and found some some pieces of wisdom in it that helped him in his business. I think that's that's very true, and that's very common. But to jump that God wants everybody, more or less, to be a millionaire seems to be a bit of a problem for me. <clears throat> and uh, without getting into a whole lot of, of detail, I think that he probably needs to get some scholarship before he makes some of those claims or at least change the title somehow of your video uh, but here's the thing does god bless us well yeah he blesses us of course he's a good father and he wants to bless bless you i have two daughters i want to provide them the best things that i possibly can i would love to make sure that they've got you know food and clothes and a nice place to live and and when they are able to, to be able to, you know, drive decent vehicles and aren't going to break down on them, and I want them to, to, uh, you know, have success in their careers, and I want to try to help them find out who they are and who God made them to be, so that they can do that. I want to bless them, and I'm just an earthly father. How much more does God want to bless us? Yes, I believe all of that. I believe that God wants us to. To be blessed. But blessing and millionaire are not necessarily the same thing. Is this making sense to you? So we have to put caution on this a, a little bit. Because I really think that God is not interested in our comfort. He's interested in our character. Ultimately, God is interested in our character. Now, does he want to bless us? Again, yes, he's a good father. But a good father also wants their kids to have good character. I listened to a man once, um, I think it was Tony Campolo, if I remember right. He said, you know, uh, today you ask parents, what do you want for your kids? And they all say, I want my kids to be happy. He goes, that's really funny because my parents just wanted me to be good. That's a question of character. Does this make sense? And I think that's what I hope for with my own children is that they would be good. They would be righteous, they would be holy. I'll let God worry about the rest of the blessing. But let's deal with things like character. At 50 years old, I'm still dealing with character issues where I'm going, God, is this, really, is this really where I am? And how does this align with where you are? These are questions of character. So God isn't interested necessarily in our comfort, but he is interested in our character. And in fact, I think personally that wealth is a window onto our character. Now, now think about this with me just a little bit. Wealth, in many respects, is an amplifier. It amplifies your character, or at least allows you to amplify your character. If you were a jerk before you got wealthy, guess what? Your wealth will allow you to be more of a jerk. But at the same time, I've met people who are kind and loving, and they use their wealth in a kind and loving way, too. It amplifies their ability to do that. Have you met someone like that? I'm sure that you have. So wealth becomes this amplifier of kind of who we are. And I think that's an important piece for us to understand as we try to develop our character. And the reality is is that we can't ignore money, we can't ignore wealth, but we cannot allow it to dominate us either. And that's equally true if you're rich or poor. And, And you need to hear this, this is important it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you can still have bad views of, of money and wealth. In his, uh, one of his uh, plays, Neil Simon has a character who makes this stunning statement. He says, wealth is as much a responsibility as poverty is a burden. And that's true. In either way, you can be dominated by thoughts of, of money. Now, please don't, Get me wrong. Sometimes you're in that position where your circumstances cause you to have to think about your wealth and financial position. Like if the collectors are are calling, right? I mean, you've you've got to deal with some of those things. So my point is you can't ignore it, but you also can't let it dominate you as well. Because I think it can make us very obsessive in in either direction. Um, The New Testament writer Paul points this out. I want you to see this. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now notice he doesn't talk about rich people or poor people, he talks about people who want to get rich. Does this make sense? So it doesn't matter kind of the circumstances you're in, it's what your aim is, what you're after, what your purpose is, what goals that you have, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and and it's possible that 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 happens, and you get um, uh, destruction and ruin. Does that happen to everybody? No, because it depends on your character, right? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So what he's, he's not divorcing this idea of following God and wealth. What he's saying is they track together. And once you veer off course, like anything else, if you veer off from the faith component of this, if you don't invite Jesus to be part of your personal financial life, you you run the risk like everything else of going right off the rails. That can happen to you morally, that can happen to you career-wise, that can happen to you ethically, it can happen to you relationally, and yes, it can happen to you financially. Does it make sense? The point is, is that wealth is just one of those things that everybody notices, because we all feel, feel it. It, it's important. He's not condemning, um, condemning rich people or poor people. He's, he's saying that all people are susceptible to this. Also, here's the other thing I really want you to notice. Look, I get so tired of this. Money is the root of all evil. No, Bible doesn't say that. Paul did not write that. Quit quoting it that way. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Do you see the difference? It's not that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Even Jesus understood, and Paul understood, that money is a necessary part of human life. It's a medium of exchange. So if I've got cows and you have shoes, I can trade you cows for shoes once. Once. And if I need shoes again, there's a good chance you're not going to need a cow again, right? And so consequently, you need some type of medium of exchange, and so we use this thing called money. It makes trade easier to do. So God understands this. This isn't something new. This is something that human beings have been doing for basically 5,000 years plus. It's the love of that money that is a root to all kinds of evil. It's not the only one. It's not the only root. It's a root. So let's uh, let's not throw the whole thing out. Let's have the right view of money and personal finance. And I really think that what this points out, ultimately, is that money is not the problem, it's our attitudes, and it's our character. Money's a tool. Frankly, money is amoral. I mean it doesn't have morals to it. It's not good or evil. It's what you do with it, right? So keep that in mind. Now I want you to also to understand a little historical context here, because I think this is, this is important as well. Again, Bible not written in a vacuum, therefore we can't interpret it in a vacuum. So, first century Jews, especially the sages, the rabbis, um, generally um, considered prosperity to be a good thing, a blessing of God. And, and we can find this in the rabbinic literature. was a good thing. But at the same time, there's a certain amount of critique that we find in the Old Testament, specifically on how that money is acquired and how it's, It's used. Um, Specifically, the Old Testament prophets were really upset with how the rich oppressed the poor. Okay? So there's a a healthy critique that's going on. Because the oppression of the poor breaks the covenant that Israel had with God. And the Old Testament prophets kind of find that to be a hot-button issue. Don't do that. Because you were once slaves in Egypt, God brought you up out of that. How dare you do that to your fellow human beings? Does this make sense? So there is healthy critique of how it's acquired and how it's used, but generally speaking, prosperity is a good thing. So again, it's not bad or good. It's like any tool, it's what you do with it that counts. And that's what money is, what finance is. It's just a tool. And I think the third thing that we have to understand, at least as we, as we, under, as, as we undertake the process of, of trying to get our arms around what God is saying throughout his entire book, his entire library, is that the economy of God, prosperity, or blessing, is also for the blessing of others. We are blessed in order to actually bless you know consider Abraham Abraham is told when he is brought up out of Ur of the Chaldees to this land that God has promised him go to this land I will show you and one of the things that he says is I will make you great all nations will be blessed by you and in the construction of the Hebrew it basically is I'm going to bless you so you had better go bless others it's imperative that you do that and we find this threaded throughout the entire Bible. It's the economy of God that he blesses people in order to bless others. And if you're going to be that kind of person, the bigger the conduit, the more he's got for you to. Look, you can never outgive God. Double dog dare you to try. You can't do it. And so we're blessed by God in order to bless others. You accumulate and share as the Lord blesses and empowers you to be able to do that. Let me say that again, because I think this is important. You accumulate and you share as the Lord blesses and empowers you to do so. Now, does that mean that you've got to write a check to every ministry that's sending you something in the mail? The answer is no. In fact, I'm aware of... of, uh, uh, family member uh, who had um, some dementia and she was writing checks to literally every single request for money Um, even some like Jewish organizations and she was Christian reformed I mean it made no sense but because of where she was mentally she was just writing the checks because she thought that's what good Christians did No, you have to be blessed and empowered to do that, led by the Holy Spirit to, to support those things that you think are valuable, that you think that God might think is valuable. And yours is going to be different than mine. You have certain things that God has put in you that you find important. For some people, it's supporting homeless ministries. Um, others, it's you know, dealing with issues of hunger or human trafficking. Or, and the list goes on and on and on because the world's a fallen and broken place. There's lots of places for you to get involved and to to try to be a light in, in dark places. So, for those who follow him, Jesus made this very clear, and we find it in Matthew 6. He says no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and And the term here is money but the actual term is mammon. And if you remember the King James Version, you'll hear this, you cannot serve both God and mammon. How many of you have heard this term before? The term is Aramaic. It's one of the spoken languages of ancient Israel, and it means wealth or property. Okay? You cannot serve your wealth and your property and serve God too. Important distinction. And by the way, this idea here of um, love does not necessarily refer to affection. And we're going to go a little Jewish here this is Matthew. Matthew's writing to skeptical Jews, and so you have to understand this. This idea of love and hate, devoted and despised, is really important. It has nothing to do with um, affection or how God feels about things or how we feel about things. Rather, it's to understand the importance of it or or be in service of it. Let Let me see if I can explain this. There's a a portion in uh, the Old Testament where uh, it says that God uh, loved Isaac but hated Esau. Which is really interesting because God did end up blessing Esau, if you read the. And the point is, it wasn't a term of affection. This is a Jewish understanding that God supported Isaac but did not support Esau. And so we translate this idea of love and hate. That's what's being played out here. You cannot be devoted to one. um, You can't can't serve both of them at the same time. They both can't have equal importance to you because it will divide you eventually. It always does. Because God and wealth have incompatible aims. Wealth is for the sake of wealth. And if you're not careful, you end up with a theology of cancer. Because all it is is to build more and more and more and more. I think it was um, either J.P. Morgan or one of the ancient industrial titans that said, how much is enough? He says, just a little bit more or the next dime, or the next dollar, or whatever it happens to be. But the point is, is that becomes an aim in and of itself. And God is not interested in a theology of cancer. God is for the other. And the economy of God is one of, you are blessed in order to bless others. See how this is related to character? See how this is related to our view of things, our kind of our world view and what's at stake? So here, here it is. Um, the, the thing I want you to understand is that wealth is an excellent service, servant, but a horrible master. Awful. It's tyrannical, if you really think about it. And I've met this on, on both sides of, of the wealth, uh, wealth and poverty gap, is that you can, you can be tyrannical in, in either way. I have met very rich people who are incredibly unhappy because they they don't want to st- they don't want to spend anything, and they're so afraid of of spending their money because they need to keep it and accumulate it again, theology of cancer, it's one that just grows for the sake of growth, and they don't eat well and they don't you know take advantage of things and they're completely unhappy, and yet they have all kinds of reasons to be happy. At the same time, you've got it on the other side too, where you know, they don't care about their financial lives and they're constantly in ruin. And so in this series, what I want to do is offer you a God perspective on wealth. Which, by the way, if you own a car, if you actually own a car, you're in the top 10% of the most wealthy people on the planet. Think about that. If you actually own a vehicle, if you own your own home, you're like in the top 2% or something like that. i don't go look up the stats, but it's ridiculous. And so I want you to have a God perspective on wealth. And I, w- and I really wanna help you, help all of us, frankly, um, to make wealth our servant, not our master. And at the same time, what I'm hoping for as we kind of go through this, um, that we create an opportunity to, to do some work t- so that God can show us His glory. That He can shape our character. I'll never forget, um, yeah, just a quick story, before Lisa and I got married, we actually decided to um, do a budget, although you don't call it a budget. It's called a spending plan. It just sounds better. It's a little more palatable, <laughs> but we had a spending plan before we got married. We both kind of went on this <clears throat> just to, to prepare ourselves, and uh, there were some um, Christian resources at the time that really helped us be able to do that, and um I don't think that she and I have ever actually fought about money. Now, we've had disagreements from time to time. Um, Believe it or not, I'm the one who wants to spend it, and she doesn't. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But usually she's right, and we need to pause and take a step back. But part of the reason for that is that we agreed early on that we were going to try to honor God with, with the income that we had as much as we possibly could. And there have been moments where if we did not track our financial condition, we would not have seen where God worked. It, it would have just kind of worked out. Well, it, it doesn't. God is active and, and busy in those. We've had three or four times in our, in our married life where it's been like that, where we said, that was God, and if we didn't track the numbers, we would not have seen that. And I can give you story after story, but three or four major times. And so I think that your your personal financial condition is a place for you to see God at work in your life as he shapes your character. And so to this end, what I want to do is I want to suggest to you that there are only three financial levers that you can pull, okay? There's just three. That's why we named the series Three Levers, because there's only three, and we're going to deal with each one, uh, hopefully in turn, if all goes well. The first lever is income. You have a certain amount of control over your income. Where does it come from? How is your income acquired? What's the source? What's your attitude and behaviors related to your income? How's your character matching up with this? Do you have multiple streams of income? Do you have a single one? Is a single one really enough? How are the economic conditions of the global, national, and state, and even local level able to impact your incomes? Some of you know this because you've already experienced some of this, and it's not been fun. Recessions matter. Depressions matter even more. And it can affect our incomes. So your first lever is income. Secondly, lever is expenses. So where's your money going? Can you tell? Do you really know? Have you ever um, gotten to the end of the month and uh, you're, you're a little shy and you're wondering where did the money go? Uh, part of our spending plan is Lisa and I each get a certain amount of just cash. Spending money, mad money—you can call it whatever you want to—and <clears throat> uh, there have been times where you get to the end of the month, and I'm like, "I got like a couple bucks left. How much coffee did I drink this month?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, I might want to not visit Starbucks." Anyway, uh, the the point is, is that you control your expenses. <clears throat> um. What job does each of your dollars have? Because y- you've got to give your dollars a job. They, they, need so, they need to do some work for you. Um, and uh, for some of you, y- you need to find your dollars a new job. <laughs> they need to do something a little different than what they're doing now. And so you need to think about, about those things, huh? especially if your income could be a problem. And of course, finally, is the cash flow. So, you have income minus expenses and what's left over is called cash flow. What do you actually do with the difference? And by the way, your cash flow can be positive or negative. If you're a government, you call this deficit spending. And you need to be careful of that because (coughs) unlike uh, governments, Companies and people have collection (laughs) agencies, and you don't want to have to deal with all of that. In your positive cash flow, um, you can save it, spend it, or invest it. And by the way, savings and investing are not the same thing. We're going to talk about that, because I am really tired of Wall Street trying to sell us a line that investing and savings are the same thing. They're not. And you have to have an understanding of this if you want to be financially healthy. Those two things, savings and investing, are totally different functions and they have different purposes. And you need to understand the difference between those two things in order for long-term financial health and if you want to leave a legacy to your children and grandchildren. So, three levers, income, expenses, and cash flow. This is the framework that we're dealing with. It's a simple one. It's effective. But the thing that you need to understand is that the frame, the frame is what pulls out or sets the beauty of the actual picture. And so if this is about character, if this is about the nature of God, if this is about the goodness of God, the blessing of God on his people, then you need to have a proper frame in order to see it. And so we're just going to use this one to start with. This might not be one of those gilded frames. This might be a little more like one of those black gallery frames, right? But the point is, it's very simple for us to understand. And we want to set off this part of our relationship with God because I really do think that that our financial condition is a window onto our character. The framework frames the beauty of the content. And so in 2021, I want you to prosper. I do. Including, or in spite of, I should say, in spite of the fact that we are probably heading into a major global recession, if not depression. And I believe that. I think that's true. But I want you to prosper. And I think that you can, because again, God is sovereign, God is on the throne, God loves you and, and I, I believe wants to bless all of us. He may not want you to be a millionaire, but he is a good father. We need to start from that position. He is a good father, and he will provide you with resources. That may not be money. It might be time. It might be energy. It might be attention. It might be creativity, but all those things are resources that God gives us and, and blesses us with to accomplish his purposes in the world. And it's okay for you to enjoy some of that blessing too. You don't plant food just to sell it. You actually eat some of it, right? So keep these things in mind. And ultimately, I think what I want you to understand is that this is another place where you can participate with Him. This isn't something that God just is going to, to necessarily do for you, He might. But there are places in the Bible where God is very clear about the way he blesses us uh, financially. And we're going to see that. We'll take a good hard look at those things. So as you go into your, your, your week this week, I want you to be thinking about all the places where God has already blessed you. And where you might be a blessing to someone else because of it. That doesn't have to be Financial. But what has he given to you? What has he gifted to you? What has he graced you with that you can share and be a part of the economy of God? Let's pray. Lord, this is your world. You created it. We are simply regents, stewards of it all. Help us to understand our place in the world, but also God, that as your people, we would understand your goodness it's so easy for us to just kind of fall into this trap that, you know, life is hard and it's just all suffering. And yeah, it is all of that. But you're a good father and you care about what happens to each one of us. And financial condition is a part of that. And as, as a people group, as we face the potential of a complete global slowdown here, God help us to help us to see where you are working. Help us, Lord, to be wise, shrewd even. To have the wisdom to know what to do, the courage to actually do it, to take the steps necessary to protect ourselves and our family, our friends, and our loved ones. Hmm. Holy Spirit, come and And bless us with that type of of wisdom. Help us to really see what it is that you're trying to teach us. And in the process, God, I pray that our character, our inner person, who we are at our very core would, would come into a little more alignment with you. Because really, you have our best interest at heart. Help us to see that and to follow you, even if it gets difficult and challenging. So thank you, Lord, for what you've given us. We, in turn, um, give it back and ask you to do something great with a portion of it. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody said.